Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. All right, then. This podcast loves to talk about the importance of a strong set of authentic, differentiated and clear set of company values that are owned, valued and brought to life by employees. Now, at the moment, some companies will be taking full advantage of the good things that they've seen and done over the last 18 months. And some of the bits they might not be so proud of to refresh, renovate and maybe maybe even completely redesign their set of values. But what is it that these guys are going to need to do differently to the myriad of companies who, who will fail to deliver anything more than a collection of clever words and of values that truly live? Well, with me today are two guys with bags of practical business experience of helping companies do just that. Andrew Stoddard is the CEO and Gary Moss is the chairman of Brand Vista. Now, Brand Vista are specialists in creating irresistible customer experiences that colleagues are proud to deliver, which they achieve by aligning colleagues and customers. And using 360-degree insight, they, they help businesses create brilliantly differentiated brands. And even more importantly, they get them to deliver that throughout each and every customer touchpoint. They've published a book on the whole topic called Hot CX, Customer Experience for Realists. And they work with a wide variety of clients from AstraZeneca to Alton Towers. And as they will no doubt passionately tell us today, the engagement of your people is the critical red thread running through any successful values delivery. And today they're going to bring us into their circle of trust to help explain just what it takes. Good morning, guys. How are we? Good morning, Mr. Gorham. Good morning, Gorham. We are well. Welcome to our circle of trust. <laughs> I feel... I feel I feel buzzy to be in there. I've got to be honest. I feel buzzy to be in there. I think we need to sort of set something straight for the listeners right from the start because we will slip into the vernacular from the very beginning. So whilst we've got Andrew Stoddart, Gary Moss, Andy Gorham, it will end up resorting to Goro, Stoat and the Moose at some point during this call. And, and for anybody who's who's not not in the circle of trust, I am Goro. Mr. Stoddart is the Stoat and you are the Moose, Gary, right? So look, it saves, it saves on complicated job title discussions. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I know and love you guys. We've worked together for for many years when I was a client. But listeners might not be so familiar with you. So, can you just give us a, a, a quick insight into who you are and, and what you do? Yes, we formed in two thousand. Uh, we were both in the advertising world working at Jaywalters, uh, but we uh, our lives had changed by uh, Alton Towers, which had taught us. The way you build brands was not just through uh, communications, as JWT would like to have uh, like to have done, but through the way that the teams deliver the service, the whole experience. 
So we've built a, a company um, for, for the last 21 years that does that. So we are, we're set up with four skill bases. We've got a skill base of brand development because brands sit at the center of everything. We've got a skill base of change. So some professional change uh, professionals who, um, who change things when they need to be changed for efficiency purposes. Innovation, which is critical, absolutely critical to everything that you do, particularly when you're coming up with new stuff. And, uh, and of course, we've got um, research skills. And you've mentioned Alton Towers and Merlin, Asda. Um, uh, we've also worked with um, other companies in, in cities, such as Blackpool and Newcastle, but also in, into all sorts of other leisure companies like David Lloyd, uh, Green King, all those, all those uh, sort of companies have been really affected by the, by the pandemic. So, and there's loads of others as well. I think, I think the other thing I would say, Gary, is that we also create the business we wanted to work in. So, so it's all very well, a lot of companies talking about alignment and those sort of things. Uh, but actually, our business is absolutely driven by our values and has been for 21 years. And um, we, we run on sort of principle. Principle is not a principle until it costs you money. So um, our teams are all recruited against those values and are just uh, they're just amazing people to, to help us do what we, we want to do. Well, that's great because that puts you right in the center of what we're talking about today, you know, and as exponents of doing it yourself and helping companies through that journey, you know, to hear that you recruit on values is a, is a, is a good badge to wear with honor, I think, uh, in today's conversation. We also appraise uh, on values. In fact, we run most decisions on those values, actually, Gary. Which I think, which is great. And I think is one of the absolute foundations of having a set of values, right? And let's start this conversation off by saying, Unless you're going to use them, unless they're going to form part of a fundamental part of business, don't bother. You know, I mean, you could sit in a in a room for days with coffee and lovely biscuits, coming up with some wicked words. But if you're never going to do anything with it, save the money on the biscuits in the hotel room. I think there's a there's a phrase we used right at the very beginning called it, which was vision without action is hallucination, <laughs> and that is that's so so true. I've seen so many values, one that are all exactly the same, and so they, they never really catch on, and some which are just so intellectualized that they'll never catch on for a completely different reason. The ones that work are obviously the ones that are, are memorable, but then in, that's only part of it. I always, People say, do people know our values? But that's really only part of it. It's how they're embedded in the processes, in the recruitment, you know, the way you deliver the service. That's that's the key thing. But without, well, there is no point. So, like, absolutely, save on the Jaffa cakes if you're not. Gonna do it. <laughs> I I would like to take because I you consider you two kind of rock stars of this whole stuff. So I'm going to take a sort of Tarantino esque approach to today's agenda, in the way that he tells a story back to front almost and and i actually think sometimes people do values back to front so let's start with the launch of the values right the the point at which some bigwig in the company stands up and goes right here are the values at that point you know it's gone wrong when complete the sentence lads what's (laughs) next right okay well let me have a go at this one you know it's gone wrong when the CEO enters to some rendition of Tina Turner's Simply the Best or We Are the Champions or something like that. Uh, it's been, they've, been in, they've been in place not for very long and the entire team are sitting there either online or live going, here we go again. Uh, and that's the audience. And if, if any communication is to, to, to land, you've got to understand the audience, you've got to understand 
what will inspire them, what will turn them off. And um, so many of these things are sort of onwards and upwards to a better future, rather than being uh, really kind of human and led from the front, but actually generated through the business. When you launch it, that launch should be a culmination of activity within the business where you've been talking to the teams who face the customers every day, who manage the people who face the customers every day, who are in areas of the business that don't even think that they impact on the customers like finance, but they do. And actually gathering those values and understanding those insights from across that piece means that when the head man or head woman stands up and goes, right, this is kind of what we're about, everybody's going, yeah, I had a bit of input into that. Because yeah, it starts, the whole process starts by talking to people and listening mm. and actually understanding that brutal truth is actually a benefit and not just a criticism. You got anything to add to that, Gary? No, you, well, you, you, Stoke's absolutely right. You just, you, you know, if you're standing up at a conference and announcing them for the first time to loads of people, um, and you haven't involved, you know it's going to go wrong because it will just go wrong. If you've done it the right way and involved people and shared stuff, uh, you won't you won't have that moment at the conference. But I, I have seen this happen where you just get a sea of blank faces. You hear things like, "Oh, we've done this before. We've done it three or four times. Probably the same as last time." Um, or the, the the worst one for me was um, it actually came out quite well. Was we were in front of three hundred people. It's only about two years ago. Very well known company, and we had a Mentimeter instant response mechanism oh, for people nice. sitting on. So you instantly knew whether it was good or bad because we stood back, said, just write in two or three words that sum up your feelings and you can see them materialising on a big wall behind you. And um, I was crossing my, my fingers at the sea. Uh, lots of swear words. Luckily, it was, it was all right. <laughs> That's an instant find out. Well, I think this is one of those things where at a conference, which is all about shock and awe in lots of cases, this is the one you want the least surprise to happen right and i think people do get caught up in the drama of these things that there's a putting arm around the homework no 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 must release it it's got to have really big impact to that point it could have gone very differently with that sort of uh, instant recognition or instant feedback if it had fallen flat i mean and where do you go from there at that point but 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 the thing is Eddie, right one of the things is i mean it's about shock and awe but one of the big shocks if you if you brought everybody along you've listened to them you're presenting back to them one of their big shocks is you've actually listened to them. There you go. They, they will just go, whoa, hang on a minute. This is something serious because actually, you know, and because most companies sadly don't listen. They just sit themselves in an echo chamber and, you know, senior management talk to each other what's right. They don't understand the deliveries by these amazing people at the front of the house. Yeah, and, and I think that, that, that point about listening is it's got to be backed up by action and communication and, and that's not always doing everything everybody suggests that's having the nuts to kind of go thank you for that but we're not going to do that and here's the reason why but but keep talking so i think it comes from 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 both from both sides and i love the bit about retained memory of of employees mm. just because it's your values project your chair there doesn't mean these guys haven't seen this stuff before so why why is your stuff different and and yeah, listening makes a big, big difference. I think for sure. I did. I did. Corey, I did see a company get around that. They didn't. They didn't involve their employees, and then they presented four or five values that they said were going to guide them over the next five years. That were yeah. pretty bland. Didn't really mean much different. They. I think they got away with it a little bit 
because they then said, right, here are some actions we've just done and, and align the reasons for why they've done those things back to their values. And these are things we're going to do. And you could almost sense in the audience, people moving to the front of their seats, having the folded arms at the back of the seat. But it was only because it was action aligned to them they thought it would work. It, it's, it's not, it wasn't doomed because they hadn't involved everybody, but mm. it was at least to have a bit of a chance to succeed from there on because they, they'd worked out what the strategies and the tactics were to, to go with it. Why do you think there is this fear around involvement? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think there are multiple reasons, really. One is, one is this kind of misinterpretation of leadership, I think, sometimes, where um, leadership is actually really about getting the best out of people, getting the most out of everybody. And uh, we, we describe leadership as, as taking people to places they don't know exist currently. There's a lot of kind of uh, kids mow around it about, you know, you've got a senior position, you've got to make the right decisions, blah, blah, blah. But also there are on a lot of companies immense pressures uh, from investors and shareholders and things, which actually kind of act as an apparent counter balance between doing the right thing. I don't think it's actually true, but yeah, these, these pressures, um, and sometimes people actually don't want to hear. Yeah. They genuinely don't want to hear. They come in with the master plan. They're going to deliver it, blah, 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 blah. And these kind of, you know, these are not the level five leaders that Jim Collins used to describe in, uh, in good to great and things. These are just the kind of, um, you know, burn it, churn it for three years and get out and turn, turn the business. And all of which are legitimate approaches, but, but don't pretend. You know, you either are a leader or you're, or you're not. Um, and, and I think leaders listen. And they also get, they get, they do take the brutal truth. They take brutal truth as being a gift that allows them not to make mistakes. Yeah, well, there's no point putting a fudge in place. It's never going to go anywhere. I think there's there's a failing to think that you, you you know all the answers, you've got a plan. It don't derail it by giving me your opinions. Whereas what you really want behind a set of values is what what are the things we're gonna have to do that employees will value that will point us in the right direction, get the job we want done done in the way we need it to be done. And that employee bit within that is is absolutely huge because at yeah. the end of the day that that's that's where the groundswell is that's where the momentum's going to come from that's where the delivery is going to be i think sometimes that that fear you refer to is if people have been very tightly related to what went before it's quite it's a lot easier to do it if you if there's something happened an event or something new that's happened that you can almost part what's happened before and start mm. afresh the, the, the instance I referred to earlier, but with the Mentimeter, we got all the response to. That was a new chief exec with a whole new, well, a whole new set of people in a team for the first time. Yeah. And it was really open to the bad stuff that had gone before. And then we went through various layers of people to talk to them and then presented the answer there. So there was no, there was no, there was no relationship with what had gone before. So the fear wasn't there. So that's, um, that's one of the thick things where the fear, the fear comes from, I think. Okay. So if we think of this as a situation where, you know, conference substance has, has overridden everything and we haven't had involvement, if we go back to our Tarantino way now and now dig under the skin of what, what should we have done? What should the process have been? What do you think makes the ideal process for getting a set of values off the paper, or as I say, off, off the mural, 
into the mindset? What's that process that you would advocate? I'd, uh, we normally start, I'd say we normally start, it's not always the same way, everything's, everything's different, but you've got to bring the customer into this mm. and look at the, what, what the brand needs to stand for and where the customer is going. So they have to be brought into it. And that means talking to them or using stuff you've already got to work out exactly where, where should this brand go. And then you go to the colleagues on the front line and see where they need to go. And then you go to the colleagues further up, further up the, uh, the food chain as well, to the top of the business. What are the business ambitions? What are the financial constraints? What, what, what's the three-year plan? And then you, you've got to do a 360-degree view about where, where you're starting from, the as-is situation, and where you need to get. And then you can align the three through, um, through, through talking to your teams creating what four or five things may take you there, then putting in the KPIs and then taking you through strategies and tactics to deliver against those, whatever it's four or five values that you've got. And, and this alignment thing, Andrew, I guess is where, where you've got the slightly different view to lots of other people that have this stuff, right? The, the alignment of those, almost those, we say two, but the way you just described it, the three, the three cases, the, the customer, the employee and the leadership. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, experience, experience tells us that um, you know you can't you can't actually deliver great customer experience unless your colleague experience is kind of driven and really inspiring and all those. You can't get people to treat them like shit. You can't get them to get up in the morning and start selling you stuff. We've seen it all over the sort of place. But it is it is a triangle. You know, if 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 the business is not led uh, and and the leaders of that business don't behave in the way. That the values will want to deliver, then you're off. You're off to a, a kind of loser. So, I think. I think ultimately, balancing that triangle is all about empirical evidence, because everywhere there's a there's a lot of subjectivity around these these things, and everything, as Gary says, has to come back eventually. Any actions and activities and and, and kind of processes that you use, you've got to bring it back to business performance in some way. You've got to link it, no matter how the thread sort of weaves through the business, you've got to link it back to board-related KPIs because then the board can see the size of the prize. They can see the benefit of what's going on. And you don't have to do it or you don't have to boil the ocean, as they say. You can do it through piloting. You can do it the development of kind of whole measurement systems. But ultimately, if you're not balancing those three things, then... I'm afraid it, it becomes a, a pretty impossible task then. And it's it's not easy, but it's like anything else, is is if you get a flywheel going and people get it and they really begin to understand it and the board begins to see movement and they're consistent with their behaviors and then the customer begins to feel it. Because yeah, the other phrase we've got, we've had for 20 years, is the insides always leak out. All right. And it went, you can tell, you can tell when a company's on the move. You can also tell when it's in reverse as well, because yeah, they spout all this great stuff in their advertising. You go and experience the, uh, the the actual product or service or whatever, and it's rubbish. So, and we read people like a book, and and colleagues read management communication like a book. Yeah, we've become very sophisticated at these things. So, balancing those three elements with empirical evidence is is got to be the start point. Yeah, and I guess the the sort of crux of it all is then trying to transfer and create real ownership for these things in the lives of the employees, right? Yeah. Yes. And and, yes. and 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 where does well, what sort of stuff do you do you feel is really important 
to, to make that happen? What's your approach? Well, basically, you've got to make it real. You know, there's a, there's a sort of great intellectual debate goes on around values and all those sorts of things. But ultimately, uh, you, you need to create something in its simplicity can be used by anybody, be it the chief executive or be it the, the front of house person delivering it. And uh, we, we do a number of different things where we, we plan, for example, the first point is where do you, how do you remove pain? How do you remove the pain of delivery? This is usually around process and, and people having to work around things, gets in the way, uses up time, and they can't do what they're being asked to do. They, this is quite a, a rapid, uh, change-based uh, opportunity. Then you've got to work out, okay, what are we going to deliver are our basics, not, not, not the sector basics, the kind of standard procedural model sort of thing, but what are our basics, driven by our brand, driven by our values. And then, so you then get an operating model you can then look at and see and, and touch. And then what are your brand amplification points? What are the one or two moments where you're just gonna make this brand absolutely simple? You can't have millions of them. Yeah, but actually, what are those things? But again, each of these has to be involved, engaged with the teams, research with customers, because we did a piece of work for a client while ago. We had a more, we've got all these amplification points. A lot of customers are going, no, nope, expect that. Yeah. Nope, expect that. It's That's hygiene. <laughs> yeah, it might be differentiating your brain, but it's hygiene in the real world. Sort yeah. Of thing. So, so it, it's actually having a, a, a manageable system that also doesn't, especially in these times, doesn't require you to, to, to extract whole parts of the team for long periods of time just to concentrate on that thing. It's, the, it's one of the issues with kind of some of the sprinting stuff where you can't take teams out of the business for a whole week to solve one problem. Mm. Yeah, we've got to be multifunctional about it. In terms of ownership, Gary, um, ownership starts when the project starts, when the whole communicating widely with the company about what you're doing, involving them in little groups. So they begin to get that ownership and internal PR about what you're doing, why you're doing it, just starts that ownership, making them different so people know that they are purely there. So I just wrote a few down that, we, that we've worked with, goggles on. This is a value happenability. Crusty busting is one of our clients' values. Um, wowification, viva la difference, clubbiness. They're all written in a different way. They're not respect or fun or very basic things they're owned by that company and i think if they are expressed in a different way and an entertaining way but still understandable then people and um, people will own them and that's the next bit which is tested internally because some of those words i just read out might have people might be interpreting them in a different way so there's a, there's a, there's a great way to say well let's make them different and entertaining but if they're interpreted in different ways then we've got a problem those those all actually work really well some of them actually work too well we pay back a bit but that's another way of making them own own so then qualitatively spiritually emotionally they are part of the company continually having that conversation with everybody else making sure people know what we're doing and then at the end you embed it it's not just about memorizing it that's five percent of the job it's embedded in reward and recognition at right at the beginning of how you how you recruit people and then it's all the kpis going forward as well and before you know it, they are embedded. People talk about them naturally. They're not remembering them. They just know them. And then everything that they do is aligned with those values. And those values, you probably have to refresh them every three or four years just to make sure that they're, um, they're, still, they're, they're still relevant. 
but you change them at your peril. We're looking at the fact that the meeting we had before this morning is very well known. British uh, uh, brands, and we've got four values. That's it. And a lot of time has been invested in getting these right. They're not too dissimilar to what they were when we first developed them 10 years ago. But then it's a brand, and it should it should continue that way. I was going to say, when you talk about like purpose projects, you know, they're often called the hundred year project because this is yeah, a kind yeah. of like absolute core thing, which you're yeah. not going to change that often, right? You might tweak it around the edges, might have some different focuses, but it needs to remain, I guess, solid as possible, but relevant. And 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 I I think back to some of the work we did, you know, you talk about words. You know, I will park my own issue with the word integrity and why on earth that appears in people's value sets. Uh, as a, that's a hygiene factor, right? It comes back to that. Uh, I remember we talked about uh, we were going to use the word love uh, in 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 a value set in a, in a business that I worked in before, and uh, everybody who put it together was really passionate for that word and really loved it. And then when it went out to test, it was like, what? No, 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 no. That's way too strong. That's that's yeah, no. Yeah. That's not where we are. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you're recognizing those things, and then I think. With that ownership piece, yes, there's the reward and recognition. And then there is the dark side of that as well, which is the kind of reward and consequence. Because I think there's no no quicker way to kill your value set than allow anti-value behavior to go unchecked. And, yeah. and I think that's what differentiates the, the, the great from the good is, yes, we herald all the brilliant stuff, but we, we pick up the rubbishy stuff as well and we, we cut it and nip it in the bud. That's a really good point because you can set it back ages if you don't then act mm. where something is isn't actually aligned we've got we've got one client who uh, put together we did we did, did this with then had to have a reorganization and he said i hope this is true he then said when i went through with everybody why we were all reorganizing having to just change some people's roles but also let some people go we went through the values which then aligned with the strategies there was very little complaint. People kind of instantly recognised why they were they weren't part of the, of, of the new team. I hope that's that's true because they would have been unhappy as well in that in that new environment. So um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to act on the other side of that coin as well. That's a very yeah, I, I pray for that. I pray that story is true because that's the whole point of having these things. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it is a guideline for decision making in the business, no matter what it is. And, and when it's at, when we when things are at their toughest, that's when you should be leaning the most on your values. Yes, and some say so some uh, another client I got has said that what's got him through pandemic, where he's had to close everything, <laughs> was his values. Right. And, the actions that they took, he went he, the lens of his values and constantly reminding people why, why he was doing those things really strengthened those values and accelerated the change that he's had to go through in, in, that, in that particular company. Those values were so, so key. And of course, he started off on that on that particular road in the right way and that people were involved all the way, all the way through it. So, right. yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And the integrity one, Gary, I remember very well because uh, – um, we've had that in various financial-based companies where I was like, what are our values? It's integrity. So, well, yes, it has to be. I understand that. But it's a sort of what we would call a foundation value, which is still key. It's critical, and it's, you've got to have it there, but it's it's not the one that's going to make you different or give you an inspirational customer experience on the end. It's, it's, it's hygiene. So splitting them between the foundation values and the the standout values is is another way of of, make, of making it work. But um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree with that. I I just have to park my own issue with that particular my particular word. <laughs> uh, I, you know that that's my problem. 
Yes. I think, I think the point the point you make, Gary, about about having to continuously review. I mean, we had it within our own business where where we had a value uh, of always on, which was a value that was all about looking at stuff, absorbing stuff, reading stuff, communicating stuff to clients to keep our knowledge really, really fresh and always having a sort of scan on the um, on the horizon. And what a lot of people coming into the business began to feel it meant was you're going to work your nuts off all the time. And so what we've done is we, we, we reviewed that, we talked to her about it, and now we've got goggles on, which is, to me, a much better rendition. It was just in the translation of that value. So you've got to be really careful to keep your finger on, on the actions that your values are driving. 100%, my friend. I, I totally agree with that. Um, can I just pick up on the measurement bit that you, that you talked about? So I'm sure you think that one of the ways to keep these things alive is to constantly talk and reference and benchmark and show performance against it and and but how how do you talk to clients about really actively measuring delivery of the values there was there was a there was a, there was a man working in in bingo industry once <laughs> ah. <laughs> may look a bit like you Goro. I, I don't i don't know who run me up and said to him one day oh gary we've got a, we've got new sets of values we've got all these things sorted out and we've just uh, we've spoken to this company about measuring it mm. and i went ah we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and we went away <laughs> and invented, uh, what well, say, invented a, a, a product to do it. Um, you could, it really, the principle is the most important thing. You need to measure, but not perhaps in the way that, that a lot of other companies do it, which is a very straightforward awareness. Awareness, do you know it? Yeah, All those yeah. sort of things. But the actions that you take to deliver it are the key things. So, you need to take readings and so regular readings uh, from uh, your customers because it's going to because it, your internal values, insights leak out. So, say, will uh, are critical from your colleagues and then other people who are going to have some influence on your brand and where and where you're going. So, we have three audiences, and you need to know where are you against the vision you've got, and you need to have a diagnosis. So, if you're going towards it or away from it, you need to know why. And those things will mean you need readings about customer service. In colleague engagement, all those things. Um, and that's that's the critical thing. So it's just three measures, and it has to go deeper than most pulse surveys and probably augmented by uh, some qualitative research as well to get it. But the real critical thing is do it in a simple way with one way of measuring it so that you know what a good value is or what a, what a good score is, sorry, and a bad score is because often things are kicked out of research uh, which says, oh, well, you've got your overrider indicator underrider score of minus 0.31. Mm. Oh, but it's measured differently in, in, in productivity or something like that. Yeah, It's got to be the same way. So you know that 54 is, is loads better than the 22 or a minus 15. So because this has to go, the big difference is this research doesn't sit in HR or ops or marketing. It's got to go company-wide. So your HR director or your HR team need to know they're doing well on certain things, letting down all the other things. The same with ops and all the other, all the other elements that are delivering, delivering the brand. So yeah, we got quite quite. Um, that was quite a phone call you made fifteen years ago. <laughs> God, is it fifteen years ago? My lord, probably not. I just guess into that. It's probably four. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, God, no. All I no, do I lost, know, I lost track. all I do know is that when you get these things talked about at the same level and cadence as financial measures that's when things start to happen 
when yeah. they're not seen as sort of the illegitimate sprog under the staircase that you pull out once a quarter to have a look at what our ENPS score is, that that that's not what we're talking. We are talking about living and breathing and embedding these things, and the only way to do that is to have consistent reference them and paying the same attention to these metrics as you would against your yes. return on investment or your turnover or whatever else it might be. But that, that, that's what I would think. There, there will be inevitably correlations between some of those metrics, two or three, and bottom line. Yeah. Um, and intention to buy again, intention to visit again, whatever it is. And though, once you find those correlations, you really you know where to put resources. Yeah. And that's a kind of, that's a kind of key thing. And when you when you come and sort of layer down that into into execution, when you're actually delivering the alignment plan, you are working with teams right at the sharp end to remove pain, to you know to create that frictionless feel for the for the customer. You're working at some very very granular information areas around process, about time, about cost, uh, all of which is looked at through the lens of the brand. So rather than just doing it to save money, you're looking at it to improve the experience for both colleagues and customers you then can pull really granular detail out and you can so for example in one in one client we we took the brand right into the front of the house we changed the way that the initial in, you know, sale was made we allowed people to, to we actually allowed the front of the house to sell what they wanted to sell and what they thought the customer in front of them wanted to buy to get the best experience and net net of everything, we dropped uh, across the global uh, estate. We dropped about two point six million pounds to the bottom line. Wow! Just by by by, by just looking at mm-hmm. how the brand will deliver, and then let's save some time, let's save some effort, let's increase the sales, you know, utilization. Let's look at so we we, we do all of that kind of change stuff that again rings a little bell in the boardroom that says this is quite interesting. And because we pilot rapidly, then we can calculate the size of the prize so the business can then decide whether or not it wants to roll that out across its estate or wherever it is, or it goes, no, that's, that's not a viable product. So, so again, presenting the board with empirical evidence right from the sharp end where the customer and the colleagues sort of operate together allows you to, to, as you say, Gary, allows you to really prove the value of this, not just at the high-level positioning piece, but actually in the experiential delivery. And all this stuff is trainable. That's the bit I love, is, um, you know, we can sort of transfer skills and capabilities to the front of the house. We've trained a whole lot of guys, operation guys, in semiotics. Yeah. So they, act, so they actually know what they're looking at. You know, these were guys walking past dustbins that were full, you know, and now they don't. Yeah, they, they don't, you know, painted buildings and unpainted buildings say different things about what you think about your customers. And, of course, the great one is the loo. The greatest communicator of many experiences, especially in pubs and places, is, is the loo. That's how much we, we like care it. about you, the state of our toilet. Bingo. Yeah. And everything is a communication. We miss it. 100% agree with that, my friend. 100% agree. As I look at my timer again, I'm always amazed how quickly these time, the time flies on this thing. So we, we have to try and summarize what we've talked about so far. So this show has a section, and I really should work up a jingle, uh, for sticky notes, right? So sticky notes are where you get to impart your 21 years of wisdom on three little sticky notes that people can take away that I stick up on the walls of Sticky Studios that means that if someone's thinking about putting a set of values together or tweaking it or renovating it, 
these are the three bits of advice we would give you. So what would your three sticky notes be today? Well, I think, I think the first one would be listen and really listen to your customers, to your teams, uh, and to also to, to kind of what you feel. And actually treat brutal truth as a, as a gift, something that can really help you so that you're actually doing all of your work, creating values, and then taking that through business based on empirical evidence and not just opinion, uh, because I think opinion is where you end up with the mouse mat and the uh, the logo on the mug sort of stuff without it truly embedding. And it actually is a communication that you're listening, so getting out there and talking to people, because again, you've got to make it real. Um, the second one would be link all of your activity to evidence that the board can see. So, so whether it's the high-level stuff Gary is talking about uh, around the uh, brand alignment monitor and the, the kind of overall progress the brand is making, or it's the granular detail of execution that links through into the, the financial and performance uh, criteria that the board are looking at. Get those threads feeding all the way through there because, again, it's about credibility. Because, yeah, this isn't a bit of fun. This is a business tool that we're, we're talking about using. It's something that's absolutely critical. And ultimately, I think the third one would be keep it simple. Explain it in a language that people not only understand, but are, are inspired by it. You know, creating some great monolith of great sort of intellectualism and all that sort of stuff is bound to fail. Because as we, as we used to say at Alton Towers, if the burger flipper gets it, then we're doing a great job. And they understand what they're doing, how they're contributing to it, or the donut salesman, or whatever it is. Um, because if you don't get it, you aren't going anywhere. You're not going to align anything, and it will just become that sort of dusty mural as you describe it, Rory. Yeah, which is not what we want and not what you guys deliver and has absolutely no benefit for business. So, look, thank you for that. Three really good sticky notes. Uh, listen to that brutal truth, show the board the evidence, and just keep the language simple and inspiring, right? I think that's that's a great message for everyone. I, I cannot believe how quickly the time has gone. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and insights with with, with me and the audience today. And um, I, I, I hope to see you again very, very soon. But I, I genuinely thank you so much for all your time and, and efforts today. I know, like lots of my guests, you're extremely busy. And I guess right now, with everything that's been going on in the last 18 months, that's especially true, right? And for the benefit of the tape, both gentlemen nodding furiously. That's that's how busy they are. There's, there's no words that could describe it. Okay, guys, thank you ever so much. You take care. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. Great to see yeah, you. See you soon. Time. That was Andrew Stotter and Gary Moss from Brand Vista. If you'd like to find out a bit more about them and the company and what they do and any of the topics that we've touched on today, please check out our show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.